I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Kathy Wengel. Kathy is the Executive Vice President and the Chief Global Supply Chain Officer at Johnson & Johnson. And so we are honored to have her on the show. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Romy. Hello, everybody. Really thrilled to be here. Kathy, you have had a remarkable career journey at Johnson & Johnson over your 32-year career. Can you tell us about yourself and the roles that have gotten you to position yourself as the executive vice president and an executive committee member? Sure. Well, that's a long journey, but lots of uh, interesting twists and turns. You know, it certainly started when I was very little. There's a picture of me at about a year old with a doll cast a little aside and some building blocks in front of me. And so from the time I was little, I loved to build things and put them together. And throughout high school, I was fortunate to not have uh, anyone deter me from my love for math and science. And so I went on to to get an engineering degree from Princeton. I really love to see, you know, the thought process and, and how you need to look at problems from different angles. And that kind of innate love was what really focused my career, but in so many different ways. I came to J&J right out of university. I literally took like a week off, which was really silly. So I definitely should have taken a little more time off. I think uh, folks, younger folks are a little smarter about that today. But I came to J&J the end of June uh, in 88 and have never left, but I've moved around the world. I came as a project engineer in the U.S. and uh, then had the chance to move to Puerto Rico. So I had grown up, you know, lived, gone to university, not necessarily intentionally, but all in about a 20-mile radius. And so all my friends, all my family were there. And so moving to Puerto Rico uh, was a different cultural experience for me you know, at the time felt so far from, you I can know, imagine. I yes, did. yes. Uh, but that really set the stage for me to just love the global nature of us to learn how to be a great listener, learn how not only our diversity of thought, but our cultures bring different opportunities together. So I worked in manufacturing and general management, ended up what was supposed to be two years spending seven in Puerto Rico. Uh, I then had the chance to move to Europe I moved to Italy, and there again, a female, young female American engineer to run one of a major plants in J&J. It was kind wow. of a, an odd thing. But with um, lots of good food. Amazing good food, and I met the man that's now been my husband now for the last 18 years there. What? I met him there. What uh, a love another, story. Yeah, another, another story, yeah. But for, you know, from that experience, uh, several years leading a plant that really worked across all of J&J, I moved over into quality to set up a quality organization for Europe, for Asia, for our pharmaceutical business. And then uh, eventually, after about 10 years in Europe, came back to the U.S. Uh, to be the first chief quality officer for Johnson & Johnson uh, at a time where we had a lot of growing to do, a lot of things we needed to really set up and improve for the future. And then uh, in 2014, came into the role to lead our supply chain and then onto our executive committee a couple of years later. So global, multifunction, and, you know, really through that, a great love of building diverse global teams. And, and what I'm hearing is you really were so open to opportunities, right? Both functionally and geographically, you were willing to broaden your horizons and it paid off. Yeah, yes. And uh, I'll tell you, the first decision to move is the hardest. You know, I look back now on 
on that and thinking about all those, you know, things And it's hard, right? When you grow up in a certain space and what you know, and the world was much less connected then too, right? You really were not, there really wasn't a functional internet. You didn't have a lot of global TV. That FaceTime. Yeah, let alone that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I also think not only inside J&J, but the ability to build your network and, you know, understand the role of other parts, other NGOs, the role of industry associations, the role of that, and also helping and develop you as a leader is super important too. Yeah. And when you talked about your early, early childhood, even with this image of you with the doll cast aside, it's interesting. You said exactly what I was thinking was that no one discouraged you. Mm-hmm. And that is such an interesting fact that that's the default thought that anyone would have is young girls are being discouraged uh, from pursuing careers in STEM. And you're working to fix that because you're the executive sponsor of the Women in STEM 2D partnership at J&J. And, and we're partnering together on that uh, with Fairy God Boston. I'm thrilled about it. Can you talk about what that program is and why it's so important to you? Sure. So as you mentioned, you know, you don't necessarily realize that I didn't certainly did not realize it at the time, how fortunate I was to have a combination of my parents who still to this day encourage myself and my brother and sister to find what we love to do and build our careers around that. And that, you know, has been the launching pad for me, and then being able to have teachers that, again, didn't discourage you, just not knowing how important that was. I remember when I I went to university and Princeton had only been co-ed when I entered for 15 years. So you hear stories, you saw it maybe in in the film Hidden Figures about long quests to bathrooms in the engineering school. You know, there really were not a lot of women there. But I literally had a professor, the first time I really had an outright, you know, negative experience was a professor came into our early engineering class and he came to the front and he kind of put his glasses down and he was at the lectern and he was in the, you know, twilight of his career and he looked around the room and there were probably 150 people and six of us were women. And he just said, good morning, gentlemen. And no. You know, I mean, he just said that for 50 years and that's what he was going to say. And, and, you know, there were a lot of different reactions of the six of us. And it was a moment where we tried some things on that and he just, he didn't change. And some people choose to leave that situation. I just chose to learn and say, okay, you know, what does this tell you about other people? And so I share that story just because as we go through careers and moments, you know, the reason we founded our Women in STEM 2D program, and by by the way, STEM 2D means because that two is we added an extra M. So it's science, technology, engineering, math. We added an M for manufacturing and a D for design because design thinking is so important in technical functions to really, you know, bring outcomes you want. You need to think about the need or the problem you're solving. So for us, founded in 2015 from a few of us senior women who I remember that, you know, the conversation saw some statistics that said, you know, the percent of women graduating with these degrees was exactly the same as when we graduated. Yeah, there's not enough progress. And honestly, we were embarrassed that we really didn't realize that very consciously. And then we decided to take action. So we've, uh, you know, developed with amazing partners 
uh, like Fairy God Boss programs focused in pillars on youth. So we really divide a, a girl or a woman's journey, you know, into three phases, sort of youth and how do you inspire? And so how do we reach and inspire millions of, of girls that spark that lets you want to explore something? Then university. And we, we know at every stage of a girl to woman's life, women leave their STEM interest at a pace that's faster than men. There are also lots of men who start in STEM and leave, but women leave faster. And so with University Pillar, how do we partner with universities who are committed to increasing women's representation in these functions? Graduate, how are we encouraging women to stay on the tenure track? Because you need role models. You need to see people like ourselves. And then on the professional pillar, and that's our partnership with all of you, you know, how are we inspiring us to not only stay in the fields, but to continue to give back and inspire folks and mentor and sponsor women and girls in these fields to do the things that they love to do and not, not be discouraged from that. I love it. So as you look back on your career, how have other women leaders influenced you and shaped you? Yeah, that's a terrific question. I start, as you've noticed in my answers, I tend to start really at, at the beginning. So I had the very fascinating history that my two grandmothers actually worked in STEM fields. Uh, that's so amazing. Both born at the turn of the century, exactly. And, uh, you know, my maternal grandmother became a visiting nurse and went and got her nursing degree. She was one of 13 children and to find, she had to find her own path. Wow. Uh, and so World War One, she became a, a nurse. My paternal grandmother, who was another decade younger than her, you know, grew up on a farm in Nebraska with her two sisters. And for whatever reason, my great grandparents sent their three daughters to the University of Nebraska in the Depression. Hmm. And they were laughed at. And hmm. uh, why do you invest in girls going to university? But they did it. And uh, my grandmother became a lab technician, took biochemistry. I have her organic chemistry book. Um, And so I've had women like that who just had that encouragement without ever, you know, kind of even sharing their story. They were just my grandmothers. And then along the way, I had uh, coming into J&J, there were some women executive directors. I remember the first female vice president in, in operations. And hearing how tough it was for them was also something that, frankly, when I was young, shocked me. I didn't understand. Me too. Um, I had a similar experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and from there, I frankly, there was a period there were not a lot of female role models in J&J at the most senior levels. It really took us you know, another decade or so and things like our Women's Leadership Initiative at the time. Now it's called Women's Leadership and Inclusion. Uh, one of the first employee research groups we had in J&J, the largest. I'm so privileged to be today the executive sponsor. But that was where, you know, I first saw in one room, a room full of 100, 200 women directors about the J&J, you know, 20 years ago. And that really made a, a difference in how I thought about possibilities. Great. Were there any crossroads you faced when you were making a career decision and that had an impact on your level of success? So lots of crossroad decisions. 
So if I think of ones, you know, when I was making that, what seemed at the time very difficult decision to go to Puerto Rico, the woman I mentioned who became one of the first female VPs of operations, she had actually done that maybe 10 years before that. And so she talked to me about the things that worked and didn't work. She talked about her husband being interviewed in addition to herself. Wow. And so crazy. Yeah. 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 So her point was, look, things are different. They're better, but some things aren't. And so it's up to you to decide what experience you want. It's not easy to leave your family and friends, but what you'll get from it is something you can't imagine. You, you have to, you know, experience it yourself and it will have you grow as a leader. So, you know, that kind of conversation was important. You know, and many crossroads that tended to be more about those combination of life decision as well as job decision. In work, I'm off the scale and having no fear of change. It's something also to really understand yourself and know where you are on that scale because I'm really open for doing different things. Have Um, you always been or you, you built that skill? I think some of that came from a a natural curiosity. I'm a very curious person. Some of that is the engineer. I like to know how things are connected to each other. I'm interested in people's stories. I'm a connector. I very much like to get the context of something and connect it. And then how do you make it that much better or bigger? So that I think became this interest in just doing things differently. Love it. So what do you think is the biggest barrier to female leadership? What does it take for us to get more women to the top? One of the barriers, I think, is us being able to see people like us, and they don't necessarily have to be always at higher levels, but it's, it's hearing the stories. It's understanding that the ability to inspire others has a ripple effect that it's different in every person, you know, that has inspired you. Men, women inspire you. I've been inspired by seeing leaders that I thought were horrible. And I thought, my God, I would never have done that. And that's not who I am. And that inspired me just as luckily much more often being inspired by seeing it could be someone on TV it's often one of our manufacturing operators that's working on third shift and is so committed to their customers and patients. So it's creating those sparks and really encouraging the conversation with people about what is it that really inspires you? What do you love to do? And then how do you build your career on it? Because if you're in a job and not, I mean, not every day is great, but if you're in a job that's not inspiring you, then work to change that. So I think that's one of the biggest barriers is it's hard to be what you can't see. And so how do you help change that? Yes. So women who are in positions like yours have to be really visible and do things like what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. And put the time as well, because I will also say, I know we are almost past the era where often women were seen as competing with each other than helping. I think it's a, it was a pretty simple math equation that you go back 30, 20 years, you know, when companies began to understand they needed diversity. And so there would be a job, you know, one woman would become the director, one person would get on the board, one. And so of the many, you were in competition, who's the one? And that I think didn't always help us help each other. And I, I think we're past that now. I hope, I hope we're past so. that. 
But we're only past that if we actually invest the time ourselves to do things, to share our story, to more importantly than our story, to encourage folks to really think about what they love and how do you, you know, help them accelerate their path. Right. So what are the skills that you think will make someone successful at Johnson & Johnson today? At J&J, we value the what you do equally with the how. I think it is one of the things that makes us very special as a corporation. We have our credo, which is, you know, well-known from case studies, things. You can see it on the wall behind me. It's our value statement for what we believe in. It's what guides us through uncertain times. And at J&J, to be a leader, you have to not only be able to do your functional job, do your role well, but how you do it, how you show up as a leader, no matter what level you are in the organization, how you value diversity, how you encourage the innovation in the company, those, as I said, it's unique. They are equally rated in performance appraisals. That's They're, very unique. Yes, equally. I mean, truly. That's amazing. Truly equally. And so, you know, you, there can be certain years where if you're a person that gets exceeding, you know, outstanding results, but you're only partially meeting on leadership, that won't go on for very long. At the same time, if you're an outstanding leader, but you can't deliver results, right, then you also have to have to adapt. But they are truly equally 50-50 in the weighting and performance. And that change we made, I think, about six or seven years ago. And it's really made an important step ahead for us in making sure that our values and our expectations of leaders, you know, it, be, it becomes much more quantified than only general qualitative statements. Yes. And, you know, I think today's pace of business and technology moves so quickly that often leadership or, or kind of core management skills can be forsaken in, in the pursuit of speed. So I think that sounds inc incredible. Are there any final reflections you'd like to share with the audience today? So I think one is, you won't surprise you, but, you know, understand what it is that really inspires you and think about and talk to a lot of people. How do you apply that? You could be an extrovert and just be inspired and get your energy by being around people. And what are those careers that really encourage you to do that? You know, that means you don't want to be in a role in an office only in front of a computer. Now, maybe we all are and Zoom is our way of meeting a lot of people nowadays. Or you can, you know, be someone that thrives on uncertainty. And that's a different kind of job, but there are many of those. So, you know, understand that and the more self-reflection about that. Second thing I'd say is what's important to you in your 20s is different in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. You know, I was at a certain point pretty used to picking up and moving, uh, me and my cat for a while. And then I <laughs> met my husband and, you know, what would have been an easy decision at a certain point after 15 years outside of the U.S. to come home was a completely different decision for my husband who didn't speak any English to move away from all of his family and friends. Mm -hmm. So embrace the fact that your decisions and your work-life integration changes over time. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Know what's important to you and make sure you can find ways to do it. Because if you don't, it's not sustainable. But if you do, I guarantee you your career and your work and family life will be a better thing for it. Great. All right. I'm going to move on to our fun, fast questions. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? <laughs> so my dream job was something around computers. 
My dad had a data processing company back, was way before the PC. And there are also pictures of me at a key punch card. And we use key punch cards, you know, the back of old ones for grocery yeah. lists. So it was something there. I always had this thing about technology, but yeah. Or to be a professional tennis player. I loved playing. Wow. So that's great. Yeah. What woman inspires you and why? So I'm a big spatial thinker. And so I think about mosaics of people and characteristics more that inspire me than any one person. But if I had to pick, I'd go back to my two grandmothers. My mom also, who got a degree in languages and Russian and French, you know, couldn't escape the pull to STEM. She became a finance person. Wow. Uh, so I'd say the women that really did things way before their time really, really inspire me. Love that. What is one way you de-stress? Reading mysteries. I love reading, not like thrillers, I, like no blood and gore. I don't like all that, but like, you know, pocket mysteries or was a big Sherlock Holmes fan kind of in high school and college. I love that analytical thinking, the concept that you could use science and facts to unravel mysteries. Um, I love those two. Can you recommend one to us? A mystery we should all go read? Oh boy. So right now I'm, um, I'm reading a series that actually started 20 years ago. The protagonist, her name's Savannah Reed, and it's by uh, G. McKevitt, I think. All right. I'll so, and again, some of these are cozy mysteries. Some of these are intense mysteries. Those are the ones I'm trying to catch up on that series now, but I, I read a lot to decompress garden. And then I love to swim. So doing laps really, you know, relaxes my brain. And last thing is my husband's whole career. He was a professional soccer player oh, for wow. 20 years and a recruiter. So we watch a lot of soccer and it's actually, you know, kind of relaxing and fun. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Who is one person dead or alive you'd like to have dinner with? So if it's a, you know, fictional character, I guess I'd go back to the the Sherlock Holmes, although I think it wouldn't be probably a very pleasant dinner because I'm not sure his interpersonal skills are great. You know, in other ways, I'd go back to my family stories. I'd say, you know, my great grandparents and wondering indeed, why did they decide to send their girls to yeah. university? How, yeah, how did they decide to, that, that, that kind of thing to me is fascinating. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? I would say there's a book that I don't even remember the exact title, but it became the basis for, for what I did my senior thesis on. This sounds strange, but it, my topic was on how do you present data to people based on how their brain processes information. So different ways for different people. Exactly. And, and this book was showing visuals made even hundreds of years ago and that impact. And so you know, that's not a personal storybook impact. That's a career story, but really understanding that you need to know your audience, need to work in different ways to maybe explain or support or get information on the same thing. You're really doing that work up front to know that audience or know what you're trying to achieve and then tailoring what you do can make you so much more effective. Yeah, it, it can be applied in so many different contexts. Yeah. Okay, Kathy, here's a challenge for you. Okay. So at Fairy God Boss, we think that women should take ownership of the amazing things we achieve, and we're not always good at talking about our achievements. So I'm going to ask you, Kathy, what is your greatest achievement? My 
greatest achievement, I hope, is still to come. It's transforming the supply chain of Johnson & Johnson into a more forward-looking, more diverse, more impactful organization that uh, has no, no boundaries, no fear of the unknown, and really Therefore, with what we do, I mean, we impact, our products reach 1.2 billion people every day. And so the ability for us to have a big impact and that that what and the how both really matter. I mean, that's my greatest joy is uh, in work life is getting to do that and work on that. Well, Kathy, your story is so inspiring and your work is so inspiring. And the, the two big things I've taken away from our conversation is first, when you see an opportunity, you've, you've just got to take it. Even if you're a little afraid, you'll, you won't regret it. And I can see that that move to Puerto Rico really changed your life. And then also we should all be in jobs that we feel inspired by. And if we're not, we should go find them. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Romy. It's a real pleasure. And, and I also want to thank your whole team. I mean, the partnership with Barry Godboss, it's terrific for our organization. It's terrific for the women in our organization and beyond. And to me, it's all part of us building a bigger community um, to inspire and, and support. And so really appreciate that as well. So thank you. And getting you more women and young girls into STEM. You got it. You got it. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.